You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Well, this morning, we're going to conclude our series that we've called Now What? Can everyone say, Now What? We've been asking the question, now what, in regards to different categories of of, uh, areas that we as individuals might fit. We started at the series saying, all right, I'm married, now what? And we said the key, if you are married or even if you think about getting married at some point, the key is to outserve your spouse. And I know you've had a whole month here hopefully working on that and hopefully that hasn't gone off your mind, but we're going to outserve our spouse even when it's tough, even when it's not reciprocated. We're going to outserve our spouse. That's the number one thing that, that we can do. Then Pastor Rachel talked about singleness, right? She answered the question, all right, I'm single, now what? And we said that singleness is not a disease or it's not a, a, a what was it? It's not a problem, right? But it's actually an opportunity. And the key to your singleness, for those that are single, is to understand that God is enough. Everyone say, God is enough. God is enough. And then last week on Father's Day, I preached the message, I am a parent, now what? And that's when we said, all right, we throw it in the towel, we just all give up, right parents? No, no, we are committed to raise not great kids, but great adults. We want to create the opportunity for our kids to thrive, not only as adolescents, but in their adult years. And that's the goal. That's the priority. And boy, we had some fun with that last week. Well, today that we are going to end the series and let's not go to the next slide quite yet. All right. Yeah, there we go. And uh, we, the, the original plan was to say, I'm an empty nester now what? And where the kids are gone. And, and then, and so we started thinking about that, praying about that, strategizing. And we really felt like, okay, that's great, but it's actually incomplete to some extent. Because what about those that are retired? They're asking, now what? Or what about those that have just graduated? They're saying, now what? Or what about someone that's lost a loved one? And they're saying, now what? Or maybe they've gone through the the tragedy of divorce and, and they're saying, boy, now what? And we put all of these together and we've titled today's message, I'm in transition, now what? I'm in transition, now what? And we've asked Pastor Rocky Nichols to bring the word today. And so without further ado, Pastor Rocky is coming. And uh, we appreciate him so much. And uh, he did a great job. First service. Tried to get up here quicker this time. It didn't work. I'm just trying to say nice things about you. But I was was struggling to find anything good to say. (laughs) That's, That's pretty common. That is not true. Love you, brother. All right. Thank you. Yeah, talk about transitions. I wrote this whole thing to be an empty nester. And then just last week he said, well, we're going to add a whole bunch of stuff. So now what? (laughs) And then to top it off, I wrote the whole thing to be what now? So then Bonnie sends me, when I sent her my notes to to her Friday, she says, oh, by the way, it's now what? Not what now? So I had to go the whole thing 
All right. <laughs> Hopefully we'll, we'll pick it up from there. Transitions, we all certainly experience them. And when they do occur, we do often ask, now what? Well, I'm going to tell you, don't wait for a sign from heaven, but start doing the obvious. And when you do, God is going to follow up with that. Some years ago, I wanted to take my son on a hunting trip. Nothing's really special. We were just going to go out in the woods and try to learn how to navigate with a compass and use a map and be out in the woods. So we headed up north, and we ended up in the, right in the middle of nowhere, parked the car on a gravel road, got everything together, got all of our gear together, and especially the compass and the map. Our plan was to walk north until we hit the highway that went across. We were going to parallel the highway for about 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and then we were going to head back south. And then we would hit that gravel road again and come back to the car. Pretty simple navigation plan. Really went wrong. <laughs> well, we headed into the woods. Everything there was fine. We were going to hunt squirrels. Now, before anybody says, oh, that's cruel, don't worry. No animals were harmed in the process of creating this sermon. Because anybody who's ever gone hunting with me knows I can't hit a pink elephant 20 yards away. Even the animals aren't afraid of me. So we headed out, encountered a number of squirrels. And with squirrels, it's fun because they like to play a little game with you. You know, they'll be on the other side of the tree, so you got to sneak around and try to catch them over there, and then they're on the other side of the tree again. So you go around, around, around. We made it up to the highway, paralleled that for about 20, 30 minutes, maybe not so much. And then we headed back south. This is now the, the, the back side of the trip. Pretty easy. We'll hit the gravel road and we'll be done. Well, on the way back, you know, we are finding more squirrels. And we are going around the tree trying to get them to come out the other way. And then we're disoriented and look at the compass and go, oh, yeah, we got to make sure we head south. Next tree, we're going around getting disoriented and finding, oh, yeah, we got to reorient to south. We keep doing that over and over and over until I noticed... Oh boy, compass is stuck. How many times have we been going around and around with a stuck compass? We could have been reorienting to south, and then south, and then south. I don't know where I'm at. A little bit of a panic now. And I'm praying to God, because I'm not real good at finding where I'm at. Praying to God for a sign. But then I just think, well, logically, what you want to do is you, you find a distant land formation. And you focus on that, and you head right there. So you know you're going in, the right, in, a, in a constant direction. Eventually, you'll hit a road. Well, you're in the middle of all these trees. There is no land formation. So now what? Well, okay. okay. Boy Scouts. That kicks in. Moss grows on the north side of the tree. So let's just find it where the north side of the tree is. What kind of a cruel person ever made that up? Moss grows all the way around the trees when you're in a forest. You can't use that, so now what? I sit down and I pray for a sign, literally. By the way, this is a true story. This really happened. I'm a little bit embellishing here, but it did happen. I sat down I said, son, we've got to pray for a sign here because I don't know what to do. A flock of little birds that we hadn't seen before, kind of unusual for a forest, came right through the brush, heading directly that way. I thought, okay, that must be the sign, so let's follow these birds. <laughs> Only to find... And now they're going that way. Well, maybe we got disoriented. God's getting us back on track. So we follow them this way. And then the birds come back this way and then are intersected by another flock of birds going that way. So we realize that 
following the sign is not the answer. Now what? Then I recalled. Every good cowboy in the old western movies did this. When they were stuck lost in the desert, they shot three times into the sky and rescue would come. So I shot three times into the sky confidently. We just waited <laughs> for a long time. Nothing happened. Nobody came. I thought, well, maybe they're on their way. They just need redirection. So I shot three more times into the sky, and we waited painfully long. And Justin said, Dad, aren't you going to shoot again? I said, son, I would love to, but I'm all out of arrows. <laughs> so then we just sat there and prayed for a sign. And Justin said, hey, Dad, there's a sign. Yes, I'm praying for a sign. I'm praying for a sign. No, Dad, there's a sign. What? There's a sign right over there. <laughs> what? Right over there. On a wooden post was a big wooden sign that said, Manistee National Recreation Area. Big red arrow said, you are here. Trails all go down this way, and our car was five minutes away. Amen. Wow, what a miracle. So oftentimes, we may pray for a miracle or a sign from God when the obvious is right in front of us. Now this is going to be an audience participation sermon because I'm gonna say now what a number of times. And when I go like this, now what? I want all of us to respond by saying now what? So let's practice. Now what? Now what? I hope you online are practicing along because I can't hear you. <laughs> so there's a number of these now what's that we're going to go through. Perhaps, perhaps the kids have moved out and you're asking yourself, now what? Or you discover you're single again and you ask yourself, now what? Or one morning you wake up and you've got gray hair and an AARP card in your hand. <laughs> you're a senior citizen and you ask yourself, or maybe you have not lived that long and you're still working. Maybe your hair is just prematurely gray. But something has changed in your life and you're asking yourself, Let's review some of these scenarios and see what the Bible has for insight on these nagging now what questions. We begin with the empty nester. When we find ourselves in life, we've raised a family and the kids have moved out. Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And I finish it by saying, otherwise when he is old, he will not depart his bedroom. <laughs> Some of our kids need a little bit of a boot to move on. I did. I was 28 before I finally moved out. Met the girl of my dreams, with the biggest eyes, beautiful smile. And she was looking at me. Time to move out. <laughs> but at first we may find it very enjoyable a bonus amount of time, peace, sanity, tranquility. But beware, because this may just be the calm before the storm. Because you might find yourself busier than ever with various support projects such as giving advice and counseling. Financial support, we all should not be blindsided by that. Important decisions that you will have to help your children through. Perhaps you'll have to have, well not perhaps, you will probably have to help them move. You will help them renovate their houses, babysitting, 
grand babysitting. Eventually things will perhaps wind down like an old grandfather clock. And the old tick-tock, tick-tock of monotony will take hold. And then you will find yourself asking, But unlike birds, who actually push their fledglings out of the nest, humans don't make that disconnect. And you might find that your empty nest won't be completely empty. Maybe never. But don't wait for a sign from heaven. Begin with the obvious. Point number one. Pray. Pray for them and pray for yourself. Our children will face challenges, struggles, and failures. And we will need wisdom. Sometimes we can come up with a quick logical fix. But sometimes the complication requires wisdom from God. Second, ask God to help you let them go. Because even with salvation, you may have to just let God take it from there. We can carry our kids along. We can bring them to the finish line, perhaps. But we can't take them across. Last week, Pastor Ben talked about parenting, and that kids have free will, and only God can bring them through. That may take some effort to allow God to take it from there, because salvation is by grace, not by works. That includes the salvation of your children. It's not your work to get it done. Three, provide them a refuge. They will return home from time to time, we hope anyways, they will still need your love and advice. And they will fail from time to time. And they will need your help without judgment, just like the prodigal son. His father welcomed him with open arms. And sometimes they just need you with no advice. That may be the really hardest one for you to do. <laughs> then seek God for what might be the next challenge or next chapter. Let's leave it as chapter in your life. Because empty nesting years can be a time when you can host a connect group. You can go back to school and this time actually want to learn. You can pursue a ministry. That's what I did. It's awesome. Maybe, well, I don't know about this, but maybe you could come to a Wednesday night prayer meeting in that room right over there at 7 o'clock. We'd love to have that packed. Or here's another little thing I've got to put out there. Maybe you can come to Praise by the Pier tonight because I'm the MC tonight, and last time I was there, I didn't recognize anybody. Sure would be nice to have a few familiar faces there at 7 o'clock down at the waterfront. Or maybe you could double clutch. Now, if you're a truck driver in here, you, you know what double clutching is. We're not talking about that. We're talking about waterfowl. Mallard ducks are, are particularly prone to doing this. They raise, they'll lay a clutch of eggs, nests of eggs called a clutch. They hatch them, little babies swim around, get really big, fly away. They got time to do it again. Double clutching. They do it a second time. Now, thank you for not throwing anything at me because I'm not suggesting that you start all over and have babies and the whole deal. But there's a different way of doing it. You could host an exchange student, and you could train up that child in the way they should go. You could provide housing for a missionary. Wouldn't that be sweet? Or 
Take in a college student. We did that. Great experience. You have the opportunity to now train up someone else's children in the way they should go. Because maybe they hadn't been trained that way before. Worst case scenario, if it don't work, you just send it back. <laughs> now we've come to this point of maybe I'm single again. And I'm going to say right on the onset that I'm not the expert on this because I'm married and I haven't been single again. But I do know what the Bible says in some instances. Perhaps it was by divorce. Perhaps it, you were widowed. Perhaps you had a business partner and your business split. And now you're single again. Or maybe it's just like me. Girls <laughs> were never as much fun as catching frogs. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 7 verse 8 says this. I wish that all men were, were as I am. Single. And I put that in brackets because I'm adding the word single. This is Paul speaking. I wish that all men were as I am, single, but each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried, as I am. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn in passion. But the apostle Paul was single, and he found it a benefit. So you may have been married, you may have had a very close friend, platonic relationship. Guys call them buddies. Girls call them girlfriends, I think. Maybe you had a business partnership and something happened and you split. But because of death, divorce, or division, you're now alone in life or in your work. And you ask yourself, In Pastor Rachel's message a number of weeks ago, it was a wonderful message from a single person speaking to single people. I don't want to take anything away from that because she did it so well. But I will say the point that stuck with me, singleness is not a problem to be fixed. It might be a problem, but only if you make it a problem. Not if somebody tells you it's a problem. In fact, it might actually be a gift if you consider it that way. Because you now have the opportunity and the freedoms that would be impossible if you were married. You can live in peace. No disagreements. No snoring. If you find yourself talking too much, then just stop. It's just you. If you get into an argument, I want to go here to the restaurant. Oh, maybe I should go here. Oh, I can't make up my mind. Just pick one. It's still you. You win either way. But don't wait for a sign from heaven. Start with the obvious. Point number one. Pray. You're going to find a pattern here. Point number one is always pray. God knows your need. He knows what is best for you and me. And the hardest thing for us will be to accept that. Romans 8.28, God works all things together for good to those who love him and call to his purpose. God works all things together for good in our lives. Our worship team sang that song a while back earlier, and it said, I don't know the exact words, but it says, if I find I am in the flames, I will rejoice because you are there with me. Proverbs 
5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. You can't go wrong with that. Second, prepare for a barrage of self-help gurus. Dear Abbeys, tireless interrogators, they will fix your problem. Now I told you, don't consider the problem, but others might, and they will do everything they can to fix that problem that does not exist, whether you want them to or not. Well, try to let that go in one ear and out the other. Be very gracious to them, but don't let that affect you. Years ago, I stopped eating processed sugar. No white sugar, no white bread, no white rice, none of that stuff. Best healthy year in my life. And this is not the same, but there's a similarity here. Because I had to give in to peer pressure. Everywhere I encountered people saying, why are you not eating sugar? Well, because it's bad for you. Well, yeah, but everybody eats it. You got diabetes or something? No. Borderline? Uh, no. It just, it's healthy. Everywhere I went, even my very close church friends would not give it up. I said, why are you doing this? And finally, I caved into peer pressure. Don't you do that. If you're single, that's up to you and God. Find wholesome friends. Those who will accept you as a single person. Until you decide whether to remain single or maybe find another spouse. That's up to you and God. Proverbs 18.24 A man of many companions may come to ruin or be pulled in many directions, in many temptations. I'm adding that last bit there. But anyone I've seen who, is, who came into a, let's say, a knee-jerk reaction, and they thought that because they were alone, they needed to have all these friends. Oh, they started going in all different directions, away from God oftentimes. Choose your friends wisely. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Be not deceived, bad company corrupts good character. That's a standalone verse. You don't need to look at the interpretation or the Greek or the Hebrew or the Aramaic. It makes sense the way it says. Four, forgiveness, if appropriate. Because death can cause bitterness toward God. Think about Job. Separation or divorce could cause unforgiveness to a former spouse. A broken business partnership can cause an unexpected competition. Forgiveness may be easier said than done. I think we all know that. And I think we all have experienced where we just said, you know, I forgive you. I forgive you. The next time you see him, you put this, hey, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, ah, that's, all, that's all said and done. No problem. Forgive you. But you really haven't. It's because I am forcing that. I'm trying to work that out myself. But it's really only going to happen when God does the work. Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you to willing to do his good we do nothing on our own. It is all from the Holy Spirit. Be faithful to God in your singleness. He will promote you when the time is right. 
And the key here is to be faithful to God. Luke 16, 10, Jesus says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And I think of Joseph in prison. All those years, he stayed faithful to God, and he ended up being the overseer of all Egypt. Daniel, in captivity, remained faithful to God for all those years, and he became the cupbearer to the king. Remain faithful in your singleness. Then when you get to those wonder years, those years where I wonder where I left my wallet. <laughs> I wonder where I parked. This is my favorite. I wonder where I left my glasses. <laughs> there are three signs to old age. And I'm sure every one of us know the first sign, you lose your memory. The second sign, uh, I guarantee you, I will remember it in the next service. This is the last service. Second Corinthians 4, 16. So we do not lose heart. And I love how the Apostle Paul hits you across the head. And then he picks you back up. He says, so that we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Any of you who are approaching my age or beyond, you will know that, yes, on the outside, there's a lot of waste going on. There's a lot of things that don't work anymore, or at least not like they used to. But I can attest that inside... I am being renewed. Amen. Amen. And I'm not there yet. But I can look back where I was and I can see God is doing a work. Amen. So maybe you've lived a long life, your career is behind you. Maybe you sold a business, your friends have come and gone. Perhaps you've outlived some of your siblings and your best friends. You've downsized to a condominium. People just don't visit you like they used to. The only time you get out of the house is when you go to church or go to the doctor. And you feel that life has become a burden. And you find yourself asking, Don't wait for a sign from heaven. Do the obvious. First thing you do is pray. But this time it's not so much about yourself, it's toward others. Make it your new career. My wife and I and our two kids were privileged to have an old friend named George. George passed away when he was 92. We were in his life from about the mid-80s or late-80s to the time he passed away. And we were given this privilege of taking him to church every Wednesday night and Sunday mornings and maybe uh, Sunday nights occasionally. But George had gone through that experience. He had lived in Detroit. He would outlived his wife and his family and his friends. And now he's in Grand Rapids in a foreign place. The only people he had was us, basically. And he had approached the pastors and said, what do I do now? There's really nothing left for me. And one of the elders said, George, you can still and that may seem trivial, 
But George created a spiral notebook, and I saw it one time, and he showed it to me. There were 300 names on there that he prayed for every day. And he opened it up about the middle, and he said, there's you and your family. I pray for you every day. When George passed away, for the next few years, I could, I could sense something was lacking. We had some struggles, not bad struggles, but there were some struggles with myself and our family that I had not seen before that. Except years ago, after my mom passed away, there were some similar struggles for a few years. And before that, when my Aunt Helen passed away, there were a few struggles after that. When these prayer warriors passed away, there was something missing that others had to eventually pick up. Never underestimate the power of your prayers in the lives of other people. Know that your purpose does not come with the end of your career. Many people find their validation has come from their job or their business, from their boss, and now it no longer comes. Well, know this. Your identity never came from the one you worked for on earth, but it came from the master you have worked for forever. And that master values you more than anyone. So get up early. Follow a schedule. Continue to go to work, but this time it's work completely for the Lord. Even if you continue to follow your passion or volunteer, which I certainly suggest you do, you are now calling on the ultimate master for your validation. Titus 2 Verse 2 and 3, older people are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and in steadfastness. The writer of this is not speaking here about a feeble soul wasting away. Even though their bodies may be wasting away, these are strong, steadfast souls. Then, if you can no longer do, teach. There's the old saying, those who cannot do teach, it's valid and it's important because teachers are important. My dad in his 80s wrote a book about his life and our family. He's leaving a legacy to pass on to the next generation. Then he wrote another book, a sequel to it. He's preserving and passing forward knowledge and experiences and wisdom. Keep that in mind, wisdom. Our friend George had always talked about that in the book, but he never quite got there. He was going to title that book, The Questions They Never Asked Me. Think about that. Let that set in. Are there questions that you're just dying, literally dying for people to ask you? If you never get that chance, write those down. The Bible honors age. Not that age is an achievement to be honored by any means. But along with age comes wisdom. Wisdom being the wholesome and righteous application of knowledge to lead others is honorable. Wisdom is honorable. Hebrews 13.7 says this. Remember your leaders. Be those leaders. Those who spoke to you the word of God. Now you speak that word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Be the one of wisdom and honor that others will aspire to be like. But what about this? 
you've not lived all that long. You're still working. You have a great job. Things are going pretty well. Or maybe not. And perhaps your hair is only prematurely gray. But the greatest transition in your life has just happened. You just got saved. You are born again. You've seen the light. And it's not a train at the end of the tunnel. And you're asking yourself, now, well, this time, don't waste your time with the obvious because you just got your sign from heaven. Amen. Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in the midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt you over you with the loud singing. Romans 8.37, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You find yourself in that position. You've been saved, born again, seen the light. To some of those who experience that, most of us in here, I suppose, the next day we wake up and it's great. <laughs> A lot of problems have been taken away, burdens gone. What a wonderful life going forward. To others, we wake up the next day and it's kind of just the same. And then, then there are those of us who find the next day all hell breaks loose. All those situations are legitimate. you would find yourself that next day. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 applies. Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in your that should be so comforting. It may not relieve the pain, but it will relieve the doubt. Second, get baptized. Romans 6, 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness 
get baptized, I can speak to you from experience. I prolonged that act of obedience for so long. When I finally walked through it, it was such a, a, a relief. And God worked in me in even a greater capacity. Don't put that off. Three, develop relationships with godly, moral, ethical people. Again, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Bad company corrupts good character. Choose your friends wisely. I've heard it said, and I believe it is absolutely true, that we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. You may know some people that have some pretty pronounced character, and you may notice that they hang around with a group of the same. Choose your friends wisely. Find people of godly moral character that you want to imitate. Surround yourselves with those people. Four, live a life that is honoring to God. Deuteronomy 6.5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. You cannot ever go wrong if you follow that. Now what if? What if you're saying now none of this really makes sense to me? None of this applies to me. I have been born again. I don't really know what it means. I don't really believe. You know, I yeah, I think there's a God, but I don't really go much farther than that. I'm kind of curious about it, but you know, I'm not I'm not there yet. I'm not a believer. Yeah, sin bothers me. Kind of have a burden with that. If I die tonight, yeah, that kind of bothers me. But nah, there's always tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. You just don't really pay attention to that stuff. We just go on from there, tough it out. But you might find yourself. Verse 20 says this, Since the creation of the world, God's invisible, invisible qualities, His eternal power and His divine nature have been seen clearly, being understood from what has been made. All creation shouts out, There is a Creator. There is something greater than me. Father, I thank you that you do allow us to have fun and enjoy our time together with you in this place. 
that has been the case. But I'm also happy to know that your Holy Spirit presence has filled this place. It is sitting in the empty seats, but it's in the bodies that occupy those as well. I pray, Lord, that you spoke to each heart and are about to change lives forever. Lord, for those who are here today who may never have bowed a knee to you, those today who may still be living in sin and not even aware of it, or maybe are now coming to the realization that they do need a Savior and they cannot save themselves and are now seeing you to be the Lord of their lives. While your heads are still bowed and eyes closed, and I can't see everybody very well, and I won't embarrass anybody or call you up here, but I would like to know if anybody, by the raising of their hands, needs to know that Savior today. If that's you, if you've never known salvation, but today you realize it's real and it's available to you. And God has been tugging on your heartstrings and you want to make that transition greatest transition of all time in your life. If you want to make that today, just raise your hand so I can see where you are and I can know that someone needs to be prayed for. If that's you. And if I can't see anybody's hands, forgive me. We're going to pray a prayer for all of those may be making that decision right now. And it's not the words of that prayer, that this prayer that really matter. It's the condition of your heart and the submission to God, knowing that you're a sinner and that only He can save you. So right now, where you are, just repeat these words after me, everyone in the room. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you today knowing that I am a sinner that I need a Savior. I know that I can't sin or I can't save myself, but I submit myself to you because I know that you can. Lord, this day I commit myself to you. I give my heart to you. I turn away from my sin and I ask for your Holy Spirit to fill me. I commit to following you all the days of my life. And I know that just like the prodigal son's father, you will be there to pick me up when I fall. In Jesus' name, amen. Now for those of you who may be in a transition, we are all in a transition at some point, some way, to some degree. Perhaps you're in a transition where you are saying, no, what? you can't discern. The sign from heaven hasn't come and perhaps you can't even see the obvious anymore. If that's you, raise your hand right now. I don't see any hands just like you didn't see them in the first service. Okay, But I know that there are people who 
have transitions that they're working through in this place. And I just want to pray for each one of you and all of us ultimately. There are a few hands up. Thank you. Lord, I thank you for those who've stepped out in faith and let me know they're in that transition. And certainly they know that I can't fix it. And perhaps they feel that no one here can fix it. But they turn to the ultimate Heavenly Father. For your guidance, Lord. I pray, Lord, if it's a miracle and a sign from heaven that just comes down, let it be, Lord. But if it's also something that is obvious right in front of them, open their eyes, let them see it. Or perhaps somebody needs to come into their life. I think back to my old friend George Way, who even though we helped him out after his death, I found so many things that he was sent from you, Lord, for just that time in our lives. I pray you would send somebody now. And now as the worship team plays, Yes, Jesus, we believe that nothing's better than you. And in the midst of trans, uh, transition, Jesus, we just lean into your transformation, that you turn graves into gardens, that you turn mourning to dancing, and that there's never a final chapter, but when one chapter ends, the next one is before us. Jesus, we thank you that your mercies are new every morning, that you are so gracious, that you are so forgiving, and that you are not finished with any of us yet. So I pray for anyone who's facing a transition, whether positive or negative in their life, that you would just speak to them, that you would move in their life, that you would show them what you have next for them. Jesus, and I know that we are going into a lost and broken world, a world that has faced so many uh, negative trans, uh, transitions this past year. Uh, and they and people have been facing it the wrong way. And they're asking this question, what now? And we have the answer, Jesus, and it is you that you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. And so we lean into you for your guidance as we are sent out as salt and light into a broken world, that you would use us, that you would inspire us, that you would, uh, with your spirit, empower us to point people to you. People who have lost their businesses, people who have lost loved ones, people who have had broken relationships, people who are who are facing substance abuse. This is a time of transition, Jesus, and let us show people where they can put their hope. Jesus, and we know as we go that you will be before us, that you will be behind us, that you will be all around us every single step of the way. And Jesus, we need it. And in the midst of it and, and through it all, we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray together. And everyone says, amen. amen, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today for service. You guys can go in the grace of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.